One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot oh. and finds the net. On TalkSport 2. Hello, hello. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. It was another crucial weekend at the top and the bottom of the table as Chelsea go to within a point of top of the table Manchester United. It's going to break for Sam Kerr who comes inside and finishes wonderfully to surely finish off the game and it is a milestone goal for Sam Kerr as well 50 in the WSL for the Australian Emma Hayes wanted to make the title race interesting it already was but the top four remain separated by just three points although Arsenal dent Manchester City's hopes of a Champions League place the goal scorer Katie McCabe right into the top corner short corner and you're not sure what's going to happen but the receivers McCabe on a left boot and it's right in the top corner Arsenal 2 Man City 1 and the relegation battle is blown wide open is the great escape back on for Leicester Carrie Jones found the ball at her feet and was able to send it past Grace Maloney she's leapt on by her teammates we'll speak to Leicester boss Willie Kirk round up all the action from the WSL and Championship plus look back on the Champions League and look ahead to the international break this is Women's Football Weekly National Radio's only dedicated women's football show Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. I'm Mary Earps. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello. Happy Monday, you lovely lot. How are you doing? I've got a wonderful debut studio guest in with me today, the wonderful Catherine Batty, women's football correspondent for the Mail. How are you? I'm very good today. Thank you for having me. Excellent. We're going to have to be on side today. We, uh, we usually have championship, EFL championship battles, don't we, off off the mic when we see each other at women's football conferences around the country? We do a little bit. Hull City and Luton, obviously. Uh, you obviously won the game earlier in the season. Last day of the season, we play each other. We might, we might try and ruin your promotion hopes. Please don't do that. I'd be very, very upset. But, I mean, we're not really rivals this season, are we, based mm. on where we are in the table versus <laughs> where you are? Anyway, this is chat for the EFL show, which was before us, not Women's Football Weekly. Uh, what caught your eye this weekend? I think it has to be Sam Kerr scoring her 50th WSL goal. Perhaps we kind of maybe haven't given her much credit this season because she was so good last year, so so prolific in front of goal. She's maybe had to have a slightly different role this season, doing a little bit more work off the ball. We've kind of seen her drop a bit deeper than we're used to seeing her just because obviously no Fran Kirby, no Peniel Harder, not quite had that service that she had last season. 
but she's still a fantastic goal scorer and I think she showed that yesterday with another incredible goal. She certainly did. She was on the score sheet, of course, and uh, many others too. It was another big weekend in the title race and battle against relegation and here's how it sounded. Get worse here. Connolly's giving it away. Garcia must. Yes, she does. It's four. Two in a minute for United and both of their substitute forwards have come off the bench and have found the net. They are flying clear at the top of the league for now. Carrie Jones found the ball at her feet and was able to send it past Grace Maloney. She's leapt on by her teammates. Could be a late Everton winner here. Low ball towards the far corner and it has beaten Becky Spencer, Aggie Beaver-Jones. The youngster on loan for the season from Chelsea has broken Tottenham Hearts deep in added time. It's a time for one last Liverpool chance. It comes in low towards the near post, flicks on, and it came off a West Ham boot close to the goal line. It's going to break for Sam Kerr, who comes inside and finishes wonderfully to surely finish off the game. And it is a milestone goal for Sam Kerr as well. 50 in the WSL for the Australian. Finished Arsenal 2, Manchester City 1, and they've come from behind Arsenal. And a goal sound worthy of winning any game. 74th minute short corner, Katie McCabe on her left boot, and she's wrapped it into the top corner. What a final few games of the season we've got in this division. Absolutely cannot wait for the run-in. And arguably the biggest game in terms of the title race was... Manchester City, Arsenal, defeat for the Gunners would have probably left them out of the title race and struggling to make top three. And with Gareth Taylor's side 14-game unbeaten streak with Arsenal's gruelling fortnight of Champions League football, many feared the worst when Bunny Shaw opened the scoring with a cracking header after just five minutes. City did have chances, Hemp and Kelly to double their lead, but Frieda Marnham equalised from close range in the second half and you heard that goal described there. Katie McCabe's rocket from the right-hand side ended up settling the tie. It means that Arsenal are now three points behind Manchester United with a game in hand. Here's what Jonas Eideval had to say after the match. We've been spoiled in the in the recent games with some real high class quality goals so um, it's nice to see the players putting their quality into execution. Of course we spoke about some situations that we needed to do better. Uh, I've I didn't think our first half performance was very good, uh, especially on the ball. We were quite sloppy. We were giving away possession too easily. So we needed to speak more about like where is the spaces in build-up, and also speak about if if we don't have the bravery to play those passes, like we're never going to go away from here with anything. If we don't can dribble into open spaces or pass the ball open to these open spaces, we're not going to get anything off it, and we're going to go away from this game thinking we didn't even try and we lost. So. I'm happy that we tried and this time we were also rewarded with a result. Yeah, it was a cracking result as well, Catherine, wasn't it? And Jonas mentioned it there. They look really tired in, in the first half. But what is it about this Arsenal side over the last few weeks, possibly since the Conti Cup final maybe, that, that has basically enabled them to dig these kind of results out? They seem to have built a resilience now that actually they can come from behind to go on and win games, which perhaps maybe they didn't have before. Um, I think Kate McCabe kind of summed that up perfectly, that the fact that she was on crutches four days earlier um, in a protective boot after that Bayern Munich game, we weren't sure if she was going to play. After, straight after the game, she told Jonas, I'm playing. And he said, wasn't sure whether she was actually going to play. 
Turns out, you know, she was fit enough, and then she scores, you know, a wonder goal with with the boot, with the foot that was in a protective boot only four days earlier. So, I think that kind of sums up the, as we say, the resilience and and the passion that they have at the minute. And actually, I think Jonas Eidevall has to take a lot of credit for that result too, because he made changes at half time. They were really struggling in the midfield to to deal with um, Hasegawa, and they dealt with her much much better in the second half. They changed their press slightly. And, and they, I think they deserve to win it overall based on that second half performance. Yeah, let's hear from Casey McCabe, shall we? She spoke to the press afterwards. It's been a real squad effort the, this this whole season. Um, Gail's picking up injuries. Obviously, we've seen Kim, Caitlin come off as well um, early in the game. So we've it's just that togetherness we have in the squad at the minute. And I wanted to celebrate obviously with the girls because it's as I said, it's it's all about the team and all about staying together and. I think you can see that then, and, and obviously the celebrations. My foot wasn't good on Wednesday, I have to say. Um, it was it was absolutely rattled. I don't know whether you've seen the video of it, but um, our medical team have done an unbelievable job on the, the quick turnaround. Um, I think my foot has been in ice for the last four days, um, trying to get swelling down. But um, yeah, it's well padded up, but yeah, it's, it still works. She scored that cracker. Um, and she's flown off on international duty tonight. She's incredible. I mean, she's always been impressive, but it feels like she's really come into her own this season. Yeah, Jonas said that actually after the game that this this last block has been the best he's at, he's you know she's played since he's been at the club. You know, there was obviously that talk in January about you know Chelsea being interested and perhaps maybe slightly unsettled things. But I think she has really been an important player for Arsenal obviously has had to kind of drop back to left back with um, Steph Catley being injured but she's still able to get forward as we saw on, on Sunday and actually she showed us the hole in the boot from you know the injury that she picked up on Wednesday there's a slight hole in the boot um, she's not changed the boot she's still got them clearly they're maybe lucky boots for her um, but I, yeah I think she's you know really kind of hit a great run of form at, you know, at the right time of the season as well Gareth Taylor, though, Manchester City boss, left frustrated. Um, his side just an inability to close out the game after being ahead. Here's what he had to say. He said nothing changes in their bid for the WSL title. We had some good chances, but I think at the end of the day, you know, you've got that goal ahead. If it needs to be 1-0 and finish off and see it out in that respect, then let, let's do that. But um, And then obviously even at 1-1, I think, you know, then it's a case of, right, OK, as much as we'd be disappointed with the draw after being so far ahead... Uh, but again, momentum was with with Arsenal a little bit. We made a slight error from our from a set play, and and before you know it, we were two one down and then chasing the game. Nothing changes. Five games left for us, and uh, plenty to play for. Yeah, so they're out of the top three on goal difference. Arsenal and Chelsea have a game in hand, but it's a decent run in actually for Gareth Taylor's side. That that game against Manchester United on the twenty first of May is going to be key, isn't it? It is, and suddenly last week we're obviously saying Man City back in a title race. It now feels, you know, a little bit further away for them. Are they now just fighting for the for the top three? And that game against Man United is obviously going to be one that you know decides whether they get in there or not. I'm sure there'll be more twists and turns, as kind of Gareth Taylor said yesterday, and I'm sure he'll be hoping there's more twists and turns. But you know, the difference a week makes from from obviously the high of beating Chelsea and then the real low of kind of giving the game away slightly against Arsenal just kind of shows you that. You never know what's going to happen in the WSL. I don't know if you're too young to remember the corkscrew roller coaster at Alton Towers, but I feel like I'm on that at the moment with this title race. I think I've been on that ride, actually. I'm pretty sure. I don't think it's still there, but it's I'm not. Yeah, I, I think I've been on it. So. 
I'm not not sad that I'm not too young. <laughs> get a bit of whiplash by the end of it, but it was it's thrilling all the same, and that's what this title race feels like at the minute. I mean, the win for Arsenal was even more impressive when you think about it after turning around a one nil deficit in the quarter final of the Champions League against Bayern Munich, progressing to the last four first time in ten years. That's pretty incredible. First half goals from Frieda Marnham on the score sheet again. She's been insane this season. Stina Blackstenius as well, and an excellent defensive display in the second half meant that the tie finished 2-1 on aggregate so they're going to face two-time Champions League winners Wolfsburg in the semi-finals I mean what a week first and foremost and, and what impressed you most about the Champions League performance because you were there weren't you yeah I was and I was actually quite surprised how dominant Arsenal were we knew from the first leg that they were very much going to be in this game they'd missed chances in that first leg you know should have come away with a draw that they needed to be more clinical in in the home leg and they, they were unbelievable. They, the, the attacking football that they played, I mean, that first goal from Frieda Marnham was, was sublime, really. I mean, the little flick from Leo Williamson and the finish was, I think Mikhail Arteta described it as beautiful. It's quite a good description. And Bayern were just never in the game. I don't think they had a shot on target for, for the whole 90 minutes. And I was kind of expecting them to offer a little bit more, whether that was just because Arsenal it didn't let them kind of play football or whether they were just kind of, you know, had an off day. But yeah, Arsenal very much deserved to go through and really, really impressed with their performance. Yeah, Mikel Arteta and Eddie were there, weren't they, to, to, to watch the game. Um, let's hear from Jonas Eideval again, shall we? He spoke to Bradley Hayden about the strength of the WSL as two sides now find themselves in the Champions League semi-finals. We'll chat Chelsea shortly. He believes there's no other league as dramatic as the WSL across Europe. I think it says a lot because also... Um, when, when we have seen the games, we have seen we have a Manchester United and a Manchester City, which I think have played incredibly well so far this season, and they also have the quality to uh, to, to go very very far in in Europe. So that means that of course we're playing a lot of games, which are really challenging. But not only that, you see a team like Aston Villa and the football that that they are producing. It's amazing and really high level uh, football so it's um, I, I think to, to speak of only four might be a mistake to do there will be more clubs coming and this will be the strength for the league and this is what no other European uh, country will have at this moment to have a league that can have so much competition so much drama in so much entertainment in and hopefully that can be a real driving force for financial investment to get the best players in Europe coming here to play in, in England and uh, making it the strongest league. He's absolutely right, isn't he? You can't write off Aston Villa in terms of next season if they continue the run that they've been on this season. Um, and thank goodness we've got three spots for Champions League now. I know, and there was a bit of concern at the start of the season over English coefficient, you know, with Man City dropping out early on and whether we would get our automatic spot or not. And now, you know, two English teams getting through to the last four, I think, will, you know, very much boost that. And I think he's right in terms of, you know, we've got a four-way title race in the WSL, which you look at the other leagues around Europe, you know, Barcelona are so far ahead in Spain. Obviously, it's a bit tighter in Germany and Italy, but... Um, you know, it, it, it seems very unique in England that we've got four teams realistically that could still win the title. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. And we'll look at how those other teams in the mix got on next. This is uh, Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Women's Football Weekly. That is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2.
This is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Rothers. The Mail's women's football correspondent, Catherine Batty, is alongside me. Uh, right, Aston Villa nil, Chelsea 3. Chelsea boss Emma Hayes said she wanted to make the title race interesting. It's back in her hands now. Her side moved back to within a point of Manchester United at the top of the table. Goals from Yelena Kankovic and Guru Wrighton in the first half and then Sam Kerr in the second. Let's hear from both managers. Aston Villa's Carla Ward, but first Chelsea boss Emma Hayes. Superb performance from the team. I think the players that came into the team did a, a fantastic job. Um, particularly first half, I think the way we counter-pressed was exceptional. Uh, we created chances, we were clinical. I thought the mentality of the team was absolutely brilliant considering we played 120 minutes the other night. Um, and I'm thoroughly pleased. Opportunity missed, I think. Um... Yeah, a difficult evening against a top, top side, quite honestly. And they are a top side for a reason. They're champions for a reason. But we probably felt like we didn't give the best account of ourselves. And there was a lot of contributing factors to that. But, um, yeah, listen, hopefully this hurt, which we haven't felt for a while, we'll, um, we, we, can, we can use that in the next game. Interesting uh, comments there from, from Carla Ward about how they use that going forward. But as Emma Hayes said, they... They played 120 minutes on Thursday night. So to put in a performance like that, bearing in mind what we've seen from Chelsea over the last few weeks, which hasn't been those kind of swashbuckling performances that we're used to, was really impressive. Yeah, well, I think we all thought it was kind of going to be a banana skin fixture potentially for Chelsea that they could struggle having, you know, had that bruising game against Leon midweek, but they kind of pushed Aston Villa aside and fair play to them, you know, they you know, they didn't really look troubled for it throughout the whole game and that's a very, very good win. Yeah, it really was um, and puts the pressure on, on Manchester United and puts them back in the driving seat in the title race. You mentioned the 50th WSL goal for Sam Kerr and what a, re- what a revelation she's been in the league and, and kind of, I mean, she doesn't quite go under the radar. I think that's quite unfair to say, but, you know, where she took all the headlines last season, she's not doing that so much. But I feel Guru Wrighton has been the star of Chelsea's season. She really has. I think she's still top of the for the WSL assists. Um, you know, really kind of stepping up in the absence of Fran Kirby and Pernille Harder. Um, it's interesting in in Norway. She's kind of goes under the radar there as well. So uh, yeah, it's obviously nice to kind of you know give Guru a bit of a praise because I think as, as you say, you know, she's having a great season. Yeah, Carla Ward obviously disappointed because she knows she wants to mix it with the with the top four and knows that her side are capable of doing that. She she kind of alluded to to there being contributing factors. What what was it that you know they they didn't quite come to the party, Villa? Yeah, I'm not sure because it's not like they've got that FA Cup semi final next week and they're saving themselves for that. It's an international break, so whether it was just kind of an off day, maybe they not underestimated Chelsea, but maybe they kind of weren't expecting Chelsea to be to be kind of as strong as they were, having had that midweek game. Sometimes you just have you have one of those games where it doesn't quite click and you know you go to go back to to the drawing board I suppose but obviously mention that FA Cup semi-final against Chelsea in a couple of weeks time they'll be really keen to obviously get to Wembley. Yeah, I'm sure they will do. Guru Wrighton said after the match she didn't know how that they'd recovered from Thursday's Champions League win over Lyon. Um so it really was an impressive victory against a Villa side who've been excellent this season. Emma Hayes after uh, the match said relieved and exhausted after the drama of her side booking their place in the Champions League semi-finals. Eight-time winners 
Leon trailed Chelsea by a goal to nil going into the second leg, almost turned it around as well. They were leading 2 1 on aggregate with seconds left when Maramielda scored an injury time, extra time penalty to take it to a shootout. Uh, Chelsea won that 4 3. I didn't realise this, Catherine, actually. Their first ever penalty shootout victory, which is quite something. And they'll face Barcelona in the semi finals, of course, the side that beat them 4 0 in the final two years ago. The game had absolutely everything. I can't even imagine what the atmosphere at King's Meadow was like. At Stamford Bridge. Um, oh, Stamford Bridge, <laughs> I knew that. Oh my goodness me. Yeah, I mean, I think Emma Hayes went through all the emotions as I think we did in the press box as well. Um, you know, the Marimiel, the last minute penalty, um, last minute rewrite for the match report. Um, yeah, it, it had everything. I think it's quite fitting that Anne Katchenberger was obviously the hero in the penalty shootout, given everything she's kind of been through in the last couple of years. Had also saved penalties against Chelsea when she was a Birmingham City player in in that FA Cup final. So um, it's kind of come full circle. And yeah, it was it was I think really the best night at Stamford Bridge that Chelsea I think have ever had. And it, it feels weird to sort of say you know, one of their biggest wins for the last few years when they've won so many trophies. But it, to beat Leon, mm. who were just kind of so good in the Champions League and to knock them out in the quarterfinals just felt like a really huge win. Especially when it's a trophy that they're desperate to get their hands on and to do it at Stamford Bridge in front of their fans is is even better in the kind of manner that they did it as well. It just really shows the never-say-die attitude that this Chelsea side have. Yeah, I mean, for, for Mielda to take that penalty and to put it in the top corner, given, you know, she'd been told it was the last kick of the game, she'd had such a long wait because the referee was trying to get the players away from the box. And to, to do it just so cool and so calm and then take the first penalty in the shootout as well and score it, I mean, that kind of sums up Chelsea, I think. And, I mean, Emma Hayes couldn't watch the penalty shootout, which she was kind of whipping up the crowd as well when Mielda was having such a long wait, so... Yeah, I think it was a great night for Chelsea and obviously they've got Barcelona next, which is going to be tough, but they can take a lot from having beaten Lyon into that game. I think they're going to, and I think they're going to have been you know, burned from what happened to them um, a couple of years ago as well and be desperate to win that. But of course, some injury concerns. Millie Bright was due to have a scan, I think, today. Haven't heard how that's gone yet, but a few worrying signs for Chelsea in terms of injuries. Yeah, it's not it's not great, especially when, when Bright has kind of been that rock at, at defence. You know, Magdalena Eriksson has kind of been playing left back a few games she didn't look kind of sure at centre back alongside um, you know obviously I can't remember who she's playing alongside now but um, the defensive Buchanan Buchanan of course and those two haven't Buchanan this season just doesn't seem to have clicked for me no and I think the two of them together it just sort of didn't really seem to work and you do feel they are a little bit vulnerable and you kind of fear for them a little bit mm. going to play Barcelona but they've got a bit of time and Millie Bright could still be you know come back and be fit for those games as well and hopefully she she will be fingers crossed for her um elsewhere in the top 4 of the WSL Brighton nil Manchester United 4 and in fact the relegation places uh United stayed top it was a ruthless performance against Brighton two goals from Leah Galton two from subs Rachel Williams and Lucia Garcia who's been scoring for fun recently, hasn't she? Here's what United boss Mark Skinner said after the final whistle. Very, very good performance. Tough circumstances. Um, I've just walked onto the pitch and it's it's literally dreadful. So um, the players to come through that, to manage the game effectively is another massive sign of the growth of this team. To score late at the end, we have the quality to do that, of course, but four goals and a clean sheet in a tough fixture away. I can ask for no more. If you notice... Barring some dubious decisions, um, we're fo- calm and focused because we know the team can produce that. Whoever we put in, we know they can produce that. So, um, first 
60 was a slog, but then we've our quality has turned up. And but it's the work done in the first 60 that gets you the last part of the game. So, but what I loved more importantly was the energy of the girls right at the very end. They're still pressing, chasing, forcing mistakes. That's a Manchester United team. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Eight goals for Leah Galton this season as well. Goals across the pitch from United, which actually all of those attributes that, that Mark Skinner spoke about there are coming to, to fruition. But for me, the number of goal scorers they have in their side, I think is quite important. And those that can come on and make an impact from the, from the bench. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, goal difference could be really important when it comes down to those final positions as well. They are actually quite far ahead of Man City when it comes down to goals scored. I think they're ahead of Arsenal as well. And they might have gone ahead of Chelsea or they're very close to Chelsea um, after the weekend. So Ma- Massive. So goal difference, 37 compared to Chelsea's 28, Arsenal's 30 and Man City's 19. And I think, you know, when, when you kind of look at the criticism Man United got for their summer recruitment in terms of not bringing an you know, maybe a world-class forward in. They obviously have Alessia Russo, but they sort of signed Rachel Williams. Nikita Paris had a bit of criticism for doing that. But actually, when you look at the amount of goals they've scored, they're, they're doing quite well. I don't think you can be too critical of, of how they've been at all. No, definitely not. United do still have City and Arsenal to play, though. We should we should mention that. And also, these two sides play each other again in a couple of weeks in the FA Cup semi-finals. I'm sure Brighton not looking forward to that because things went from bad to worse for Brighton. Uh, they're now bottom of the table after Leicester's late win over Reading lifted them out of the relegation place. We'll be hearing live from Leicester boss Willie Kirk next. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. It's a wonder goal! The home for women's football. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Rothers, and the male's women's football correspondent, Catherine Batty. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so you just need to go ahead and download it today. Right. 
Leicester 2, Reading 1. Leicester off the foot of the table for the first time this season after a late win over Kelly Chambers. Reading, they took the lead through Sam Tierney before Charlie Wellings equalised on the stroke of half-time. Leicester kept pushing for the winner, though, and Carrie Jones scored it six minutes into added time. Delighted to say Leicester boss Willie Kirk is with us now. How are you doing, Willie? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very well, thank you. It's been a while. Congratulations. How much of a psychological boost is that? Yeah, huge. Huge, I think, to come off the, the foot of the table for the first time uh, is, is psychologically really, really important. Uh, you know, if we were if we were waiting until the end of the season and putting everything into the last game, it's a huge gamble. So uh, we're off it now and, and we need to keep accumulating points to stay off it. Yeah, five games left. Brighton have got two games in hand. Is it between four teams now or, or could you potentially drag Liverpool and West Ham into it as well? I think, well, certainly looking at the points target that, that we we were looking at, I would, I would assume that Liverpool and West Ham will be fine. Uh, they might need another one or two points to make sure, but I don't see either getting dragged in just now. I think it's between the four teams that are already down there and there's very little separating them. Hi, Willie. Catherine here. Um, Hi, Catherine. Carrie Jones obviously scoring that late winner. I know she's only a young player on loan from Manchester United, but how impressed have you been with her and to produce a moment like that in such a big game? Yeah, well, I think we've got a lot of young players scattered throughout the team. You know, I think our average age was about three and a half, four years younger than Reading across the pitch. So it was a huge performance from a lot of those young players. And, and I've been really impressed with Carrie in training. And the only reason I've not been as impressed in matches is because I've yet to find our best position. And I think I think we've we've done that in the last couple of games, playing her in the in the role just behind the forwards. And I thought our, our whole game yesterday was fantastic in terms of our, our out of possession and, and the composure that she brought to her in possession play as well. So she's she's a she's a super talent and, and she can go really far in the game, I think. Yeah, you've you've got a few talents as you, as you said there, but you know you you were doing so well at the start of the season, and everyone thought the great escape, as as people have been calling it, was was on, um, and then a, a little bit of a dip again. But how much momentum has is lost essentially that it's now the international break, or does that not matter at all? Look, there was there was a few players really struggling to get through the game yesterday, so I think the international break's probably come at a good time. Uh, the medical team done a fantastic job and, and the players themselves to, to battle through some knocks that we were carrying so I don't think it's come at a bad time at all and and everybody's in the same boat so it's not like mm. like we lose momentum and everybody else gets a chance to pick their up so yeah we'll, we'll dust ourselves down and, and start again once, once we know who the next fixture is because obviously Chelsea game will be rearranged because mm. of the Champions League so we're unsure yet if it will be Chelsea midweek or if it will be Liverpool at the end of the month. Yeah, how, how much does that, you know, affect preparations? Uh, well, hopefully we hopefully we find out in the next day or two. I'd like to think both clubs and the FA will be trying to get that date confirmed as soon as possible. You know, Chelsea have got a number of games they need to get get arranged. They've already got a game in hand and then they've got the the two Champions League uh, WSL clashes to, to rearrange. So, yeah, hopefully the next couple of days it'll get sorted and then that means it shouldn't really hamper things too much because 
we'll be able to plan appropriately in, in plenty of time. Yeah, so you've got Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, West Ham and Brighton. God, that last game of the season against Brighton <laughs> could be could be pivotal. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> uh, I'd like I'd like another couple of wins before that. And and hopefully the Brighton game as far as we're concerned would be would be a uh it certainly wouldn't be as pivotal as everybody's think hoping it will be mm. so we've got a climax at the end of the season I hope we're not involved in any yeah, that, uh, you, you know we're the media so we're, we're sitting there going yeah take it down to the last day of the season but I can't even imagine what it must be like as a as a manager in that position as you say get your points on the board before that yeah, well, talking of, talking of points on the board, obviously Brighton have got those games in hand, but games in hand obviously don't mean points. Is it better to have the points on the board or would you kind of prefer to have the destiny in your own hands? I think I think at the bottom of the league, you would rather have the points because there's a reason these teams are at the bottom of the league because we've, we've failed to pick up that many victories this year. So I think it's different if you're at the top and, you know, winning is is more often than not. So uh, I think down the bottom, it's better to have the points. But, you know, we'll soon find out in a, a few weeks when Brighton get those those games played. Just finally, Willie, before we let you go, how vital is it? And, you know, I think I know the answer to this question, but at the same time, just give us a bit of a picture as to what's going on behind the scenes at Leicester at the moment. How vital is it for you to stay in the WSL? Well, I mean, it's important for us in terms of the direction we want to travel in. So, so that's that's really, really important. Uh, you know, the board so far have refused to look at Plan B. They they are they are planning for another season in the WSL, and and we obviously need to get our business done this year. But as far as I'm concerned, if we get through this season and the place that we want to be, it's only an upward trajectory after that because it's really an ambitious board. Uh, and, and and they've got big plans for the women's team, so it's an exciting future if we can if we can get the short term uh, over the line. Brilliant. Well, we wish you the best of luck, and I really hope we're speaking to you come the end of the season with good news and and congratulations again. Hopefully, thanks for your time. Take care, Willie Kirk, okay. there, Leicester boss. Thank you so much. Um, right, wow, amazing. Uh, that fighting talk is necessary, isn't it, Catherine? Really, and and the fact that the board don't have a plan B is is really interesting. It is, and Willie Kirk's talking actually about before in about having a points target for different parts of the season, and he said even after they lost to Tottenham, they were still on course, they'd still got the points total that they'd set themselves. Um, you know, Willie Kirk's been there and done it, I think that's another important thing. He's been in a similar position with Everton in the past, and he's got them out of relegation trouble, so he knows how this league works, he knows to how to kind of drag, te- drag his team through games and you know get those points on the board. So I think he could be really key in terms of obviously whether Leicester drop, you know, avoid the drop or not. Yeah, speaking of his former team, Everton, uh, 2-1 win over Tottenham and it was Aggie Beaver-Jones with a late winner to give Everton all three points and put nerves on edge at Tottenham who were just three points above the relegation places having lost 11 of their past 12 matches, the only one that they won was against Leicester. Uh, they've also played two more games than bottom side Brighton and Nicolene Sorison had given Everton an early lead um, before uh, Tottenham pulled one back. Tottenham defender Keris Harrop broke the all-time WSL appearance record as she played in her 178th game, which is pretty much the only piece of good news that came out of the game for, for, for Spurs. They're banging trouble, aren't they? 
They are, and I feel like, you know, when they beat Leicester, we're all sort of saying, oh, you know, Tottenham are going to go on now and be okay. Obviously, having Arsenal as the next game was never going to be easy, but losing to Everton in the manner they did, if they'd got a point there, that'd have been a huge point for them. But losing it in the last minute, it, you know, psychologically, that's a that's a massive blow. And also, obviously, we don't know the long-term future of the manager situation. Vicky Jepsen is still in charge at the minute. We, don't, we assume she's going to be in charge for the rest of the season, but nobody seems to know for certain. You know, it's all a bit up in the air. And, you know, they've got a fantastic striker up front in Beth England, who I think is probably keeping them kind of where they are, which is not obviously, you know, on the bottom of the table. They're just not providing her with any service. I mean, I feel quite sorry for her, actually, because, mm. you know, she's she's doing all she can. She's just not getting the deliveries that she needs. No, she's certainly not. And they've also conceded seven goals in the last 15 minutes of WSL matches. Only Brighton and Leicester have conceded more. And the stats tell the tale, don't they? Oh, by the way, just to let you know, uh, former Tottenham boss Rianne Skinner will be alongside me at Wembley on Thursday for England's uh, inaugural finalissima against Brazil, which will be exciting. So I'm sure I'll chat to her more about what her plans are for the future after she left uh, Tottenham. But it's, from an Everton point of view, they they can't really do much better than what they're doing now. What, they sixth? I think it's probably likely that they stay in in, in that position. And would you say that that's a fair reflection of their season? I think so. You know, they've basically beaten the teams around them, apart from obviously Aston Villa, who is slightly maybe ahead of them. They've beaten the teams below them. They're not quite yet in a position to really kind of mix it up with the top four. They're still a little bit away from them. Um, I think they've got a draw against Man United, and that's probably the best result they've had. But you look at where they were last season, which was, you know, right down the bottom. They've made great strides, obviously, first season under, you know, Brain Sorensen. So I think, you know, not a bad result for them. So, final fixture of of the weekend and one that we could probably skirt over quite quickly. No offence, West Ham and Liverpool fans. It ended up a goalless draw. Uh, but West Ham did stop a run, of, uh, a run of three consecutive defeats, but they still haven't won in 2023. Liverpool probably edged this one, but no goal for, for, for either side. Um, Willie Kirk said there that neither of these two are likely to get pulled into the relegation battle from what he can tell and from what his figures are of what he wants Leicester's points tally to be. What do you think? I think it'd be difficult for both teams to get pulled in. I mean, I think they'll get enough just to kind of be over the line without necessarily being miles safe. I think they'll just about do enough. I think maybe West Ham have kind of... I don't know what the right phrase to describe it down tooled seems a bit harsh but almost have kind of almost feels like they've given up slightly you know they're kind of like we can't go any higher up the table we're probably not going to go down and you know they've been really poor the last few weeks but I think they're lucky in the sense that they've got those points on the board early and then probably not going to get dragged into it Liverpool I think again are doing enough they're picking up draws against Everton and West Ham they're probably not going to get dragged down into the into the battle another another reason for extending the league isn't it because to 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 be on the beach this early is is not a good look i would i would say not that again i'm saying that 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 they are but you're exactly right if you're not really playing for anything bar pride then i can see why you might be you know keeping stuff in in reserve if that's what they uh, they're doing so i'm going to ask you the impossible question catherine who goes down for you i think brighton wow and i and the only reason i say brighton is just and I think Amy Merrick's has actually done a great job. Mm. Just that experience, I think. I think Willie Kirk and Kelly Chambers have got that know-how for WSL, and I think Reading always seem to have a result in them that's just a last-minute equaliser or a surprise victory you don't expect them to get. And I'm just I'm not seeing that from Brighton yet. Uh, you know they've 
they could still do it. Obviously, there's you know they've got the game in hands, but I'm yet to kind of be convinced that they've got it within them to actually get out of the battle. Do you think? Well, I mean, they're two bosses down so far. Do you think it was a mistake to part ways with Hope Powell, who's got the kind of experience that Willie Kirk and Kelly Chambers have got? I think they panicked early. I think the fact they had that eight nil defeat against Tottenham, which looked it, it was an embarrassing result. I think Hope admitted that. But she has, you say, she had that experience. I don't think they'd have gone down if they'd have kept her. I think she'd have. She knows how to get the results. She knows how to pick up the points you need to stay in this league. And I think it was panic. And then they went for somebody that wasn't used to being at the bottom of the table. He was used to winning in a different league. And then he had to come into a relegation battle. And it was, you know, it, it's very it was difficult. Fit, it it was the wrong appointment mm. and definitely at the wrong time. And I do think they may end up regretting, you know, sacking Hope Powell so early in the season. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating, isn't it? Five games for the majority of the uh, bottom four seven for Brighton so two extra ones to try and get themselves out of this uh, right you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2 I'm Faker Ruthers. the male's Catherine Batty is with me coming up we're going to round up the championship and have a quick look at the international fixtures Women's Football Weekly with Faker Ruthers. she's around the goalkeeper and has rolled it in on Talk Sport 2 you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Rothers, and the Mail's women's football correspondent, Catherine Batty. We're available on podcast as well. Don't forget, plenty of places you can download us, but first head to the TalkSport app to find us. You can obviously subscribe elsewhere as well. Uh, right, the topsy-turvy women's championship... The topsy-turvy tongue twister that is the Women's Championship. I'm on the corkscrew at Alton Towers. Uh, continues to surprise. Leaders Bristol City losing 1-0 to Sheffield United thanks to a Courtney Sweetman-Kirk goal. City spent most of the second half with 10 players after Vicky Bruce was sent off. So London City Lionesses closed the gap back to three points again after a late 1-0 win over Charlton who were also down to 10 with Frida Ayisi dismissed. Uh, Atlanta Primus on the score sheet again. Birmingham move up to third after a 2-1 win over Southampton. Crystal Palace move up to fifth coming from behind to beat Sunderland 2-1. Durham got a late equaliser from Lauren Briggs to draw 2 all with Blackburn. Lewis drew one all with Coventry United who are relegated with three games left to play. That draw leaves them 10 points adrift and that has kind of gone under the radar, weirdly, Catherine. Um, Coventry playing in the FA Women's National League next season. Lee Birch's side went down with a whimper. Yeah, um, they've not been great since the turn of the year. Uh, well, not been great all season, really. After obviously staying up last year in, in such dramatic circumstances, kind of doing, as we're talking about, the great escape, which seemed impossible to then kind of lose a lot of players in the summer and not really build on that is a shame and and as you say it's not really kind of been seen no one no one seems to have tweeted or told us that they've been relegated you kind of have to sort of look for it yourself um which was a bit odd but there's yeah. not even an r on them next to the table there isn't no i know that's bad, isn't it? That yeah. I, that I quite like that. I, 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 like, I like an efficient-looking table, yeah. please. R when R is necessary, P when P is necessary, etc. And it's really competitive down there in 
in the National League as well. Almost 4,000 watched Wolves 5-0 win over Huddersfield at Molyneux in the Northern Premier Division and they're doing things properly, Wolves. They're, they're, they're doing a really good job down there. That takes them second. Nottingham Forest beat title rivals Burnley 3-0 and Stoke lost 3-2 to West Brom at the Bet365 Stadium. There's a lot of teams, particularly in that Northern Premier Division, making, making moves at the moment. In the Southern Premier Division, Ipswich stayed top, but Oxford United just two points behind them with two games in hand. Their game between the two of them was postponed at the weekend, which is a real shame because that would have been a humdinger for sure. Um, but, I mean, it's fascinating down there watching what, what the teams lower down the leagues are doing. It is, and it's a shame that only one you know, one of the teams can come up to the Championship. There's so many clubs down there that I think would be ready to go up and, and to be promoted. It's such a shame that they've obviously, you know, it's only going to be one of them. And we saw Wolves last season losing narrowly to Southampton, mm. who've actually done quite well in the Championship. They've come up, done better than the teams that were already in the division. You think Wolves could, you know, could go up and do quite well, but then you look at the Southern League and Ipswich are doing a very good job as well. They got quite far in the FA Cup last season, mm-hmm. gave West Ham a very good game. As I say, there's a lot of clubs down there that are probably ready. We just need more places for them to come up. Yes, we do, dot, dot, dot. Hopefully very soon. Um, right, the international break is a on us. Two big matches for the Lionesses coming up. The inaugural finalissima against Brazil on Thursday at Wembley, followed by Australia at the GTEC Community Stadium on Tuesday. Serena Wiegmann named a 25-player squad. Hannah Hampton and Esme Morgan returning to the fold. The uncapped Lucy Parker also recalled and hoping to make her senior debut after injury caused her to withdraw from October's matches. But dropping out from February's squad, um, Emily Ramsey, who's injured Katie Zellum out, Ebony Salmon as well. Loss of Ruben Moy was initially left out but called in to replace the injured Millie Bright. Here's what England manager Serena Wiegman said after she announced her squad. Of course we want to perform at our highest level. Yes, I picked the team, had to make some hard choices uh, for this selection. But yeah, very excited to play at Wembley again and play Brazil and play Australia. And Yeah, these are also good games, but also in a preparation for the World Cup, very important games to play because it's going to be a very high level and Mm. hopefully we're going to be challenged uh, in the different parts of of the game and uh, we can take it from there um, and improve. It's a very good team, you know, they have very good players and um, yeah, there's a different style, which is very good for us too, to play against them. So, so we'll see, we'll see um, what happens and how we adapt and, and can hopefully can play our own style of play. Talk sports Ian Abraham's also caught up with England's all-time leading appearance maker Farrah Williams to look ahead to these two games. Here's what she had to say. Yeah, it's a huge game. It's um, one that I think will really test this Lioness team where they're at at the minute. They've got a couple of injuries. I think Millie Bright is a, a big injury for this Lioness team. I think she's a huge part in both Chelsea and the Lionesses. So I think the Brazil and Australia game will be um, a real test for them at this time of the season. Obviously tired tired legs and stuff I think some of the players you can see you've heard Emma Hayes speak about her Chelsea players being tired so I think it'll be a real test one that I'm looking forward to Try, still trying to get a ticket so anyone listening that wants to give me one <laughs> um, but yeah hopefully I'll be here to you know at Wembley again uh, in front of I'm assuming another packed stadium to face Brazil so it'll be a great game you heard the woman. Farrah Williams is looking for a ticket. Somebody give her one, please. Uh, what are you most looking forward to, Catherine, about uh, the finalissima? 
Yeah, I think just seeing how good Brazil are, because we've not watched them for so long, we've not played them for quite a number of years, actually don't know how good they are. So they won, obviously, their version of the of the Euros. It'd be interesting to kind of see if they're a similar level to England, if England are, you know, a, a bit better. They're on the same side of the draw as us at the World Cup, so if they get far and England gets semi-finals, it's a potential, so... Very interested to see kind of how just how good they are, really. Yeah, same. I'm also interested to see who Serena Wiegmann is going to start because there's a few positions maybe up for grabs. There is obviously Millie Bright, you know, being injured is a big one because we've not been without her for such a long period of time. The number nine role is going to be interesting because you'd have thought Alessia Russo would start, but Rachel Daly's been playing so well for Aston Villa. There's, you know, not out of the question that she starts up front now. Now she's listed as a forward in the squad. Um, and, and midfield, of course, he con- continues to be interesting. That that position just in front of the two central midfielders, you'd think Ella Toon's probably got it, but, you know, nothing guaranteed. No, definitely not, which is exactly what Serena Wiegmann wanted. I've sat down with her on so many occasions where she's talked about the squad depth and, and the competition for places. And, you know, she will pick the best players, those who've trained the best um, and been the best form in the WSL as well. Um, interesting, England are holding a joint press conference with Pierre Sundhage, who's the Brazil manager, um, which is going to be quite fascinating. On we, You and I will be there and uh, TalkSport will be bringing you updates. I'll be with uh, former Tottenham boss Rianne Skinner on Thursday night at Wembley, bringing you updates uh, on TalkSport. A um, few other international fixtures to mention for you. Republic of Ireland are going to play two matches against world champions USA on Saturday and Wednesday so we'll get to see what the USA team are looking like. Yeah, very interesting because when they played England in October, they were kind of off-season and, you know, had weren't very good, essentially, not at the level we expect the USA. They've had quite a number of months now to improve and, um, you know, going into the World Cup, they kind of have to start hitting form. So definitely interesting to see where they're at. Yeah, and Republic of Ireland, of course, who, who go out to... To, to Australia in July as well. Scotland will face Australia and Costa Rica. Bit of a squad update for you there. Uh, Jamie Lee Napier, Chelsea Corney, and Lisa Robertson have been called up to replace Christy Grimshaw, Christy Murray and Erin Cuthbert who've pulled out. Um, big news for Chelsea if Erin Cuthbert is injured. Uh, Wales will play Northern Ireland and Portugal and Northern Ireland just that one game against uh, Wales with uh, their record goalscorer Rachel Furness back in the fold, um, making her international return for that game. Uh, right, Catherine, our time is up. It's been an absolute delight to have you in. I hope you enjoyed your debut. I have. Thank you very much for having me. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you to Catherine Batty, to Willie Kirk, to Molly Hudson, to Ian Abrahams, producer Will, and of course all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the show live, download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app or listen back throughout the week.